And praise the Lord again. And this is Pastor Adams, the president and the founder of Truth Matters Ministries here in Atlanta, Georgia. Man, we're so thankful that you've taken time out of your day to listen to this podcast. We're just so encouraged and delighted to be host and attendance of this very vital ministry of contending for the faith. And our desire is to make sure that you're equipped, that you're prepared and you're energized to get answers and to get information surrounding the most important thing in the world, and that is God's word and a relationship with him. We've been in an episode in a study that's entitled Death, one that is the most unpopular and sometimes the most dreaded and avoided topic in the world. But we want to take time and we want to really get into this topic because death is something that is so prevalent and it's going to touch every person up under the sound of my voice directly and indirectly. So we want to just pause and pray before we get into this topic of death. Now, Father, we thank you once again for your love and kindness. We thank you for your tender mercies. We give your name, praise God, because you told us in your word that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we do recognize that your name is hallowed. We do recognize, Lord God, that you are the Father, that you are the preeminent one that you are the sovereign of the universe. You are the alpha, you're the omega, the very beginning and the very end. You are the door, you're the way, you're the gatekeeper. You're the one Lord God who reigns. You are the ancient of days, the one from everlasting to everlasting. You are the one who sits in the heavenly places. You said that the clouds were the dust of your feet. God, we reverence and we recognize, Lord God, that you are he who has all power. You stand. You are omniscient. You are omnipresent and omnipotent. All powers in your hand. We can't do anything without you. God, I recognize who you are. And because of who you are, I lay prostrate before you. There are so many who've tuned into this podcast who want to know you in a more endearing way. There are so many people who want to come to know you as their Lord and their Savior. There are obstacles. There are many adversaries in their way. There are so many barriers that's causing them, Lord God, to not be able to know you in intimacy. But Father, we thank you today that through your word that proceeds out of your mouth, it never returns void, but it accomplished the thing that you sent it to do. You promised her that you gave the sower seed and the seed is your word and the word, it falls upon thorny places. Yes, some does fall on the wayside and some does fall among thorns, but oh, we don't worry about that. We know for certain that some falls upon good ground. Let the hearers today be good ground that your word will germinate and take root and bring forth a spiritual harvest in their lives and it's in jesus name we pray we're so mindful of the words that were spoken by blaze pascal blaze pascal said that truth is so obscure in these days and falsehoods are so well established he said unless the people really just love it you gotta love truth then you can't even know it it will deceive you just like The difference between gold and fool's gold, the difference between wheat and chaff, the difference between margarine and butter. There are some things that are authentic, but then there are some things that are counterfeit. There are some things that are the genuine real deal, but then there are other things that are what's called knockoffs. 
But today we thank you, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit gives us discernment to know what is really authentic. And in our discussion and study and exposition on death, we want to just pick up where we did last week. We talked about who determines when man dies. It's important that we really expand and enlarge upon that. There are important theological considerations that must be addressed during this portion of our examination today. We had mentioned that we're going to discuss terms such as destiny and what is predestination and human autonomy and what about general generational curses? Do they still have import? Do they have still have any potency in our lives? What about God's perfect and permissible wills? We're going to make sure that we discern those in well. In addition, what are the societal and environmental factors that impact human mortality? Job 14, 5 through 9 in looms that God numbers our days and determines how many we get to live on the earth. Did y'all catch that? God numbers our days and God determines how many we get to live on the earth. So even though you might think that you're in control and just because you're 18 years old and just because you're 21 years old and you feel like you got another 45 years, another 55 years to live, another 60 years to live. Sorry about that, partner. The truth is God numbers your days and he determines how many you get to live. So when you say, well, you know, I'll I'll get to Jesus Christ later on. I'll think about the Bible another time. I'll, I'll make a decision to really live for God in the future. I got time. I'm only 20. Let's listen to what Matthew Henry commented. We have seen that Job has a say concerning life. Let us now see what he has to say concerning death, which his thoughts were very much conversant with. Now that he was sick and he was sore, it is not unseasonable when we are in health to think of dying. But it is the excusable incognizance if, when we are already taken into the custody of death messengers, we look upon it as a thing at a distance. Job had already shown that death will come and that its hour was already fixed. Now he he shows that death is a removal forever out of this world. Wow, there's some permanency here. This he had spoken of before in Job 7 and 9. And now he mentions it again. For though it be a truth that needs to not be proved, yet it needs to be much more considered that it may be duly improved. Let's look at point number one. It says, a man cut down by death will not revive again. Just like a tree that is cut down will revive again. What hope there is of a tree, he shows very elegantly. If the body of the tree be cut down, and only the stem or stump is left in the ground, though it seem dead and dry, yet it will shoot out young boles again, as if it were but newly planted. 
the moisture of the earth and the rain of heaven are, as it were, scented and perceived by the stump of the tree. And they have an influence upon it to revive the tree. But the dead body of a man would not perceive them, nor be in the least affected by them. In Nebuchadnezzar's dream, when he is being deprived of the use of his reason, was signified by the cutting down of a tree. His return to it again was signified by leaving of the stump in the earth with a band and iron and brass to be wet with dew of heaven. Daniel 4 and 15 says, But man has no such prospect of a return to life. The vegetable life is a cheap and easy thing. The scent of water will recover it. The animal life in some insects and fowls is so. The heat of the sun retrieves it. But the rational soul, when once retired, it is too great, too noble a thing to be recalled by any of the powers of nature. It is out of the reach of the sun or the rain and cannot be restored, but the immediate operations of omnipotence itself. Man dieth and wasteth away. Yeah, man giveth up the ghost. Now where is he? There were two words that were used for man. One is Gerb Geber, a mighty man. Though mighty, he dies. Adam, a man of the earth, because earthy, gives up the ghost. Think of this. Man is a dying creature. He is here described by what occurs. Before death, he wastes away. He is continually wasting, dying daily, spending upon the quick stock of life. Sickness and old age are wasting things of the flesh. It's taking his strength. It's robbing him of its beauty. And in death, he gives up the ghost. The soul leaves the body and returns to God who gave it, the Father of Spirits. Now after death, where is he then? He is not where he was. His place knows him no more, but he's nowhere. So some read it. Yes, he is somewhere. And it is a very awful consideration to think where those are that have given up the ghost and where we shall be when we give up the ghost. It has gone to the world of the spirits. It's gone to eternity. It's gone to return no more to this world. A man laid down in the grave will not rise up again. Every night we lie down to sleep. In the morning we wake up and rise again. But at death, we must lie down in the grave. Not to awake or to arise again in such a world or such a state as we are now in, never to awake or arise until the heavens, the faithful measures of time, shall be no more. And consequently, time itself shall come to an end and be swallowed up in eternity. So that the life of man may fitly be compared to the waters of land flood, which spread far and make a great show. But they are shallow. And when they are cut off from the sea or the river, the swelling and the overflowing of which was the cause of them, 
They soon decay and dry up, and their place knows them no more. The waters of life are soon exhaled, and they disappear. The body, like some of those waters, sinks and soaks into the earth and is buried there. The soul, like others of them, is drawn upwards to mingle with the waters above the firmament. Be mindful of the words that were spoken by the learned Sir Richard Blackmore. He makes this also to be dissimilitude. If the waters decay and be dried up in the summer, yet they will return again in the winter. But it is not so with the life of man. Take part of this paraphrase in his own words, a flowing river or a standing lake. May their dry banks and naked shores forsake. Their waters may exhale and upward move. Their channel leave a roll of clouds above. But the returning water will restore what in the summer they had lost before. But, O oh man, thy vital streams desert their purple channels, and they defraud the heart. Second Kings 20 and 3 reminds us that Hezekiah granted 15, was granted 15 additional years. He prayed for more years to live versus God's will. Man, I think it's so important that we as people of God understand that. That Hezekiah, he prayed that he can get 15 more additional years. But it was God's will that he died. As I began to study the book of 2 Kings around the, the life of Hezekiah, it's so important what Matthew Henry commented. He's the historian having shown us blaspheming Sennacherib destroyed in the midst of the prophet the prospects of life. Here shows us a praying Hezekiah delivered in the midst of the prospects of death. The days of the former life shortened, of the later prolonged. Here is Hezekiah's sickness. In those days, that is, in the same year in which the king of Assyria besieged Jerusalem, for he reigning reigned. In all 29 years and surviving this 15 years, this must be in the 14th year. So was that some think it was at the, the same time that the Assyrian army was besieging the city or preparing to besiege it because God promises, I will defend the city which promise was afterwards repeated when the danger came to be so imminent. So, what was going on there? Others think it was soon after the defeat of Sennacherib. And then it shows us the uncertainty of all our comforts in this world. Hezekiah, in the midst of his triumphs, in the favor of God, and over the forces of his enemies, is seized with sickness and under the arrest of death. We must therefore always rejoice with trembling. It should seem he was sick of the plague a type of a COVID-19. For we read of the boils and the plague sores that were on him. The same disease which was killing the Assyrians was now trying to take his life. Now, the disease that Hezekiah had was going to take his mortality. Listen to what it says. Thou shalt die and not live that therefore he must with all speed get ready for death. And God told Hezekiah to set his house in order. 
This we should feel highly concerned to do when we are in health. But we are most loudly called to do that when we are sick. Set the heart in order by renewed acts of repentance and faith and resignation to God. What about us today in this Truth Matters podcast? What about the thousands of people that are dying every day with COVID-19? The unspoken and uncharted thousands that are dying because of anxiety, kidney failure, heart failure, those that are dying because of problems with anxiety and suicide. What about the other thousands that are dying because of opioid and drug overdose, because of the stress and the attacks, the mental, the panic attacks as a result of all the things that are taking place in the world. Are you concerned about death? Are you setting your heart and your house in order? Are you concerned about the imminence of death that can knock on your door? You put your hand on a table that someone who's infected with COVID-19 and you put it on your hands and you touch your face. You walk by somebody, they might be more than six feet apart from you, but it travels 13 feet. They sneezed three minutes before you walked by and you breathed in the COVID-19 virus. Are you preparing for death? Are you warning and preparing your children to make sure that they repent and get their life right with God? Are you going to make adjustments in your priorities? You're a married man and you're running around here committing adultery. You're cheating on your wife. You're infringing upon the very pillars about to tear your family apart. And you can be taken out of this world in an instant. Are you thinking about making those changes in your life? Are you preparing to die? I asked the man one time, I said, what was your, what's your birthday? He said, I was born in June the 15th. I said, so that's your date of birth? Yeah, June the 15th, 1965. I said, okay, what's your date of death? You just gave me your date of birth, but what's your date of death? He said, I don't know. I said, so you don't know when you're going to die? He said, no, no. I said, well, well, are you saved? No, I'm not saved. Are you preparing for the inevitable? Because you know you're going to die one day. Dr. Martin is right. The death rate is one per person and we're all going to make it. Are you ready? Well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm still checking on some things. But what it is is that you've made an investment in sin. You've bonded and you've got tangled up in the yoke of bondage and sin and you're enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season yes I'm talking to you and my listening audience today and you don't want to give it up because you're going to roll the dice one more time I've been getting by this long but you better make some adjustments and turn around let go shake 
loose from your sinful behavior and lifestyle. And you better get ready and prepare for the inevitable. You're going to die one day, sir. You're going to die one day, ma'am. Now, another thing about Hezekiah is that he went to God and he wanted God to give him mercy and let him live. When God purposes mercy, he will purpose mercy. When we have not, if we ask not, the Bible says, we have not because we ask not. And sometimes we ask amiss that we might consume it upon our lusts. If the sentence was irreversible, yet prayer is one of the best preparations for death, because if we fetch in strength and grace from God to enable us to finish well, understand and observe this. Prayer can change anything. And since it could change anything, Hezekiah, he turned his face to the wall. Someone asked the question, why did he turn his face to the wall? Probably because he was was laying in his bed. This he did perhaps for privacy. He could not retire to his closet as he used to do, but he retired as well as he could. And he turned from the company that was around about him to converse with God. I believe everybody in my audience today, in whichever way possible, you need to turn your face to the wall. Get along with God. Get away from distractions. Get away from interruptions. Get away from your normal flow of life. And get quiet. And let God talk to your heart. Speak to him so he can hear you in sincerity. Humble yourself before this great and mighty God that you might recognize his power, his might, and his ability to affect the circumstances of your life. And once Hezekiah did that, the next thing that happened was he wept sorely. And as he began to weep before God, it was commensurate with humbling himself. Some gathered that he was unwilling to die. It is the nature of man to have some dread of the separation of the soul and the body. And it was not strange if the Old Testament saints to whom another world was but darkly revealed were not so willing to leave this world as Paul and other New Testament saints were because all they knew about was the grave. Jesus Christ had not died yet. Death had not been conquered yet. Salvation had not been finished yet. So all they had was just the prospects of living in the grave. There was something also peculiar in Hezekiah's case. He was now in the midst of his youthfulness. He had begun a good work, a reformation, which he, fe- he feared would, through the corruption of the people, fall to the ground if he should die. If this was before the defeat of the Assyrian army, as some think it was, he might therefore have loathed to die because his kingdom was in imminent danger of being ruined by this pagan nation. But I want you all to hear this before we end our podcast today. Hezekiah, it does not appear 
that he had any children when he made this prayer. His son that succeeded him was not born until three years after God extended him 15 more years so that he should die childless. Both the peace of his kingdom and the promise of David would be in danger. Let Hezekiah's prayer interpret his tears. And one thing we're going to say about what happened with him praying to God and going against God's will is that when Manasseh was born, it changed everything. Now think about this for a minute. When Hezekiah asked to get 15 years, he asked what would be the sign. He said, what is the sign? Not that I shall go up to the thrones of judgment or to the gate, but up to the house of the Lord. He desired to recover that he might glorify God in the gates of the daughter of Zion. It is not worthwhile to live for any other purpose than to serve God. It was put to his choice whether the son should go back or go forward. For it was equal to the omnipotence of God. And it would be the more likely to confirm his faith if he chose that which he thought the more difficult of the two. Perhaps to this that is this prophet may refer. For God said in Isaiah 45 and 11, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Command ye me. It is supposed that the degrees were half hours. And it was just noon when he had made that proposal to God. And the question is, shall the sun go back to its place at seven in the morning or forward to its place at five in the evening? He humbly desired for the sun that it might go back 10 degrees, because though either would be a great miracle, yet it being the natural course of the sun to go forward, its going back would seem way more strange and would be more significant of Hezekiah's returning to the days of his youth. Job 33 and 25, and the lengthening out of the day of his life. It was accordingly done upon the prayer of Isaiah. So he cried unto the Lord by special warning direction, and God brought the sun back 10 degrees, which appeared to Hezekiah, for the sign was intended for him by the going back of the shadow upon the dial of Ahaz. In other words, when the sun went back 10 degrees, he could look at the dial of Ahaz and see the shadow of the sun going back, which is likely he could see through his chamber window. And the same was observed upon all other dials, even in Babylon. You can read about that in Second Chronicles 32 and 31. Whether this retrograde motion of the sun was gradual or persultum or suddenly, whether it went back at the same pace that it is used to go for, which would make the day 10 hours longer than usual, or whether it darted back on a sudden and then continuing a little while was restored again to its usual place so that no change was made in the state of the heavenly bodies, as the learned Bishop Patrick thinks. We're not really told, but 
The work of wonder shows the power of God in heaven as well as in the earth and the great notice that he takes to prayer and the great favor he bears on his chosen. Now today we thank God for you tuning into this Truth Matters podcast on death. And we have so much that we have to cover. And we're going to really pick up next podcast on what happens in the case of Hezekiah when God ordained that he die. But because of the power of prayer, God moved and did something for him and even went against the natural order of things to answer Hezekiah's prayer. But even though we go against God's will, there are still consequences. And we'll look at that next week. Now you pray for us and God bless you in Jesus' name.